from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe, from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron, for three for the win, yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay. Alongside me, I've got my co-host, Corbin Ford, and uh, this is a very special episode. I, uh, I started this pod back in October of 2017 with uh, with my good friend Anthony Brown, and uh, along the way, it sort of morphed into a sports business classroom podcast. And then, within the last year or two, Corbin Ford has joined me as my as my co-host. And Corbin, this episode is officially number 200. That is, dude, it's a milestone, um, first and foremost. And I, I just, I have to give like a little toaster ode to you because that just shows, I mean, every episode you've done, it's always several hours. We're always going deep diving whatever topic is decided, whether that's LeBron versus, you know, Michael Jordan, whether we're going way back into the 1984, you know, first round series between the Pistons and the Knicks, you know, whether you're talking video games with your friends or whatever the topic may be, League Pass Radio, you always go in with, in an, with a, with a just a massive depth of understanding and energy and passion that you share with the listeners, uh, regardless of the different, you know, people you've done alongside. I've been just, just, I don't even know the word, I guess, uh, humbled enough to even be a co-host to it, but to have 200 episodes, man, like that is, dude, I just want to say props to you, shout out to you, uh, much respect. This has been, it's just tremendous content you've put out consistently, um, reliably, and you don't go cheap on any of it. You don't shortchange the listeners. I mean, this is from, I think I am uh, able to speak to this as a listener turned co-host in just this crazy way. Um, and just all the time, it's 100% great. And so I just want to say congrats to my brother because 200 episodes, that's a lot over the course of what? Uh, five years approaching yeah. five years like that is a lot and you you your your podcast goals my friend you are you are a goal of which i aspire to as a podcast host myself hey i appreciate it and, and congratulations to you as well because i could not have gotten to this point without you and as well as a lot of the uh you know anthony brown i mentioned already and a lot of the sbc guys that i've had on as guests i appreciate everybody's effort to to put this together because i basically wanted to, to do a pod where it wasn't just me talking to myself. So uh, it always has, has required uh, having somebody alongside me. And I can't think anybody better than you, Corbin. So, I appreciate uh, you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, and, and you may, you make a good point that maybe I should start tracking, not, not the episodes, but the, the hour totals. Cause we're probably at 350 and counting if we do it by that. By that <laughs> right. I think you should. I mean, listen, man, you've put in the work. You might as well make the counts happen. All right. Don't be like the NBA and mess up the all-star accounts and the play-in votes and everything. No, everything counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, this, uh, for, for this special episode, we, uh, Corbin and I, since we're, this episode will, will air basically about 10 days before the NBA trade deadline. So I, uh, 
I, I broached this subject to Corbin and basically said, hey, why don't we uh, why don't we do some come up with some fake trades and uh, and and break it down. So the two of us each came up with with some trades and neither of us have heard each other's trades. But I, I we did talk briefly beforehand. And Corbin, you mentioned <laughs> a good chunk of yours being a Lakers fan are, are concentrated around the uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. So. Why don't you uh, Why don't you get us started with uh, with an LA Laker trade? Okay, listen, I'm I'm so happy you brought this up. Should I go big or should I go just a simple one right now? Well, let's start off big. Hey, it's number two hundred. We might as well. Okay, so you know what you said it. I do not need any further motivation. Here we go. All right, so I have one right here. This is a five teamer involving the Ooh. Raptors, <laughs> the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Thunder, and the Spurs. So. The Raptors would get Malik Monk and a 2026 first rounder from the Lakers. The Lakers would get a haul. We would get Thad Young, Garrett Temple, Derek Favors, Derek White, um, and Gary Trent. Now, bear with me. It's a lot. Yeah. And a first round. Uh, Now now I'm like, who the hell are the Lakers giving up to get all of that? (laughs) Well, like I said, it's the magic of uh, it's the magic of Corbin as the GM. So <laughs> you wonder how we got so much for so little. <laughs> but then the Pelicans, you know, they already got a big guy in Jonas Valanciunas to stretch out a little bit. We don't know if we're going to have Zion. Um, we don't know if we're going to have Zion back the rest of the season. So let's just give it another stretch big. Um, we're going to give the Pelicans Mike Muscala. Then for the Thunder, oh, we're giving them Hall of Famer, top 75 player of all time. Future, you know, just 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 the the greatest player who's ever played for them. We're gonna give him back. We're gonna trade Russell Westbrook to the Thunder, and we're also gonna give them a twenty twenty eight first rounder, first round pick, and two seconds for the trouble. Okay, it, we shouldn't have to give the Thunder too much. They're getting a hometown hero, and you know he might just just thrive with that roster. That's kind of the roster he loves playing with anyway. And then for the Spurs, we're gonna give them young, talent talented, tantalizing prospect in Taylor Horn Tucker as well as a 2027 first rounder. Wow. Um. (laughs) This was the one I was excited about because I was so proud of myself. And I looked back and I went, what in the world? I said, let let Garrett have to muddle through this one. I, um, my, my first comment and I, I, I hate to break this, but there might be an issue with this trade construction in terms of, do the Lakers have more than one first-round pick they could trade away? So, oh, I didn't write. Okay, my notes. We have to negotiate with the Pelicans to have them um, oh, remove one yeah, of their swaps. Yeah. Sorry. I have that written. I don't know why I didn't look at it. I was so excited to share the trade. But if we were able to do that for them, um, and we're taking away uh, guys like Garrett Temple, and, well, we're giving a guy in my Muscat who's helpful if they're trying to do the play-in, right? Their, their asset there. We're taking a guy in Garrett Temple who's just sadly been kind of terrible but forced to play major minutes where we're taking them off our hands. Um, and we figured that'd be nice. And then we're like, hey, can you just, you know, make pick one of the pick one of the deal? Like, instead of swapping, take 25, which would free us to 26 and 28, so we're able to do that. Okay, so... Yeah, that that makes sense because yeah, the Pelicans own a lot of the uh, not, yeah, not only the Lakers picks but then swaps. So yeah, if yeah. they're involved in the deal, then uh, you know um, allows for the Lakers to potentially open up another first round pick. So so the Pelicans are doing all of this and tell me exactly. So they're taking those swaps off the table and they're 
I'm freeing up a Lakers pick, and and they're getting what in return for that? We're we're gonna give them a, a couple of seconds, and we figure this is where the trade starts falling apart. So we're gonna give them a couple seconds. And I thought, listen, when I made this trade, I thought Mike Muscala he had a really good game for OKC. <laughs> I, I really thought that he would be the asset that because <laughs> we can't give him another. Listen, we're in a conundrum here. We can't give him Taylor and Tucker because we're gonna give him the San Antonio because we needed to get um. Thad Young and the Spurs aren't going to give Thad Young for nothing, right? We couldn't give the Pelicans another first rounder because you know. So yeah, that's that's where we would give the Mike Muscala and we would make like a fat cat and try to hope they like they understand that they would get some additional seconds um, in 2027, 2028. Yeah, I mean, um, I think you've got the wrong Michael going to the Pelicans. Are you saying that they're getting a prime Michael Jordan for that? Package? <laughs> <laughs> See, this is where I messed up. This is where the cracks start go. I knew you were going to pick this one apart, but when I made this was like two days after we first agreed, and I was so excited. I was like, this is so great. And then I looked back on it maybe two days ago, and I was like, oh, that's not really going to age well. But, you know, I have to be consistent. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I love this. I, um, I'm, I'm excited for all of the, what, I think you said you had five more of these <laughs> Lakers trades. So I'm very, I'm very excited for all of these. How would I throw a Lakers trade that I have at you? Okay, let's give it. So. This is actually courtesy of uh, a couple of people, Justin Matcham, and uh, also Bobby Marks made a um, mentioned something similar to this construction on the our recent low post pod, but it involves okay. the Los Angeles Lakers and the New York Knicks. You ready for this? I am. The New York Knicks trade Derrick Rose, Kemba Walker, and Evan Fournier to the Los Angeles Lakers for Russell Westbrook and the Lakers 2027 first. Okay. So the Lakers basically get a, a backup scoring pop punch guy in, in Rose. You get a guy who fits better in Kemba Walker. And who was the third one? And, uh, and Evan Fournier, which is a big part of the salary match. Yeah. And there you go. It's a big contract. Long-term might not be super great, but gives as much needed shooting. Um, and we have the hope some, some, have decent defense and in exchange for that you know you're right i think the knicks get a point guard who will definitely um take command of the team in a positive direction um if not the offense i mean that remains to be seen but uh definitely someone who i think will make a better one to ten with, with um julius randall yeah that's a i think that's a solid trade i, yeah, I, I, I wonder if it happens or if it's been talked about but i think it's a solid trade yeah and, and bobby marx's version so, so Justin changed it from including Alec Burks to including Derrick Rose instead. So Bobby Marks's version had Burks, Walker, and Fournier going to the Lakers. But Marks tended to believe, and, and I'm guessing you probably are on this side of thinking as well, that, uh, that 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 move might actually benefit the Knicks in terms of winning basketball games in, in the year 2022. I think it does. I think you give Russell Westbrook. I still think, I mean, we've seen his most recent play against the, the, um, the Hornets where, you know, when the shot's going down or at least he's three of seven from three or somewhere around there. And he's able to have complete autonomy over the offense that he can be half decent. Like, yeah, you're going to get some bad mistakes and stuff as well, but he's also empowered. He's not looking over his shoulder, which weirdly enough, I think he has done a lot of this year um, getting in his own head and making more mistakes than even Russ is used to making. But if we look back on what he did in Washington, look back on what he did with, um, OKC and some of the early after um, Kevin Durant, but like just before, of course, um, Paul George really settled in there. It was like he somehow thrives off of playing with these like 
lesser talents that kind of get out of the way, but play. I, I, I look at it more like akin to the 2001, you know, Allen Iverson, but to a much lesser degree since he's a much lesser player at this stage of his career and the talent's not an actual fit, but you basically are like riding and dying or dying or, or both with Russ at the helm of the offense. And I think that at this point, it's he's not changing the way he plays. So it's about finding teams that are willing to acquiesce that style to him. And if you're saying, okay, we get more defensive-minded folks out there, let Russ run the offense. I mean, he'll, I think, have an above-average offense. I think this year's kind of put a dent in my idea of that because he's played with better offensive pieces here in um, here in um, Los Angeles. But I guess the, the idea could still be there. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, you know, the – the Knicks could use more of that, you know, getting downhill, getting into the teeth of the defense. They have some good offensive rebounders. They like to play with size. So as far as that's concerned, I think Russ would be a decent fit. But when you think about, okay, well, what if when you're giving the ball to Julius Randle, they they typically like to get him the ball at the elbows. And if he draws doubles from there, you know, you like to have good, good floor spacing, which obviously Russ is one of the worst floor spacers in the history of, of basketball. Thanks, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting trade. What about from the Lakers side of things? I guess first off, you know, Derrick Rose dealing with the you know I believe he had ankle surgery recently, so he's out for a while, but could come back at some point. Would you rather have Derrick Rose maybe for the stretch run in playoffs, or would you rather have Alec Burks in that deal? So I would rather have. Hmm. I feel like Derrick Rose would be a better fit. I think the offense still is struggling for minutes when we don't have um, LeBron or AD on the floor. And AD can, you know, you play through AD for stretches, but he's still relying on some perimeter player to help him out in that respect. So I think when you do have a Derrick Rose, we've seen him be effective uh, in that role. I think more so in his latter years post-Cleveland than before. And so I think he can really thrive in that spot alongside a unit defensive as a veteran unit. Um, that he fits alongside and, you know, he's become a much better um, off ball spot shooter as well. So I think you look at that as a positive in a way that Alec Burks, while still being a solid player, isn't quite that in my estimation in, 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 in regards to his impact on the Lakers compared to what Derrick Rose would be as of right now, all things being equal, you know, I'd rather have Derrick Rose inserted coming off and, and finding a role than trying to find Alec Burks among the Lakers, many kind of, you know, C plus B minus wings. If I'm being, you know, even uh, a little bit um, gracious there. Yeah, and I, I honestly think this. Yeah, I would say it's. I, I like the move for the Lakers, given that you hope that the combination of Walker and Rose gives you what ninety percent or eighty percent of what Westbrook was giving you, while also providing another floor spacer in Fournier, and um, you know. You also you also get the benefit of hanging on to Taylor Horton Tucker, who and like you know the Lakers have been really high on his upside, so you can see that play out. Um, so so yeah, I, I don't mind it, and it, it it somewhat makes sense for both sides. Although again, I I keep going back to like and that that Russ contract that's that's a lot to eat if you're the it New York. It is. No, most definitely. And I think the Knicks, if anything, uh, they've been a lot better managed the last couple of years. But like if any team would take that with minimal resistance, I still think the Knicks are the franchise that would make that gamble. You know, that's OK. We can deal with the next year or two of Russ and be where we are. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I know it's something that 
they might be most willing to do. So yeah, I think I think it could work. I mean, other than I am the the Russ optimist always, but I think it could work. Plus, I would be much better being able to root for my Lakers and root for Russ in the perfect ecosystem where they don't coexist. So that's the hope. Yeah. So uh, let's let's hear your next Lakers trade him. Am I wrong? And are, are are basically all of these? Do all of these involve Russ? Or so you know what? I made one a little bit. Let me see. Okay, one's Russ. That's Russ. Okay, one is not Russ. It's a it's a smaller move. It's um it's a three team trade. The Hawks would get Kendrick Nunn. The Thunder would get DeAndre Jordan in a twenty twenty eight first round pick. And the Lakers will get DeLon Wright and Kenrick Williams. Kenrick Williams. Hmm. That was a smaller one that I did between the margins. You get a guy in Kendrick Nunn who, if healthy, I think brings you what DeLon Wright is as a secondary ball handler, but more offensive punch, definitely better shooter. He's 30, what, 36 plus percent um, from three over his career. So you definitely get someone like that. Yes, he's a player option going to pick up, but he'll only be 27 going on 28 around that time. Still much younger than DeLon Wright by comparison. The Thunder, you're taking the salary of DeAndre Jordan who comes off in a year. You're also picking up another pick for your troubles. I think that's pretty good value for Kenrich Williams, who is a guy who, you know, 6'6", pretty athletic, decent standstill shooter. We get that. We also get a steady backup point guard in DeLon Wright to run the second unit for the Lakers. I think that wing that they have could fit in a lot of their better lineups alongside Austin Reeves, you know, with LeBron, with AD. Um, and DeLon Wright could actually slot in there pretty well, too, as a kind of table setter point guard, um, do just enough off ball and be a, a good defender. So I, I think that's a smaller move. I did that kind of benefits all parties. It didn't involve one Russell Westbrook. OK, so let's just break this down again. So you said the Lakers get uh, DeLon Wright and Kenrich Williams. Mm-hmm. And then the the Hawks get Kendrick Nunn. Mm-hmm. And then the Thunder get who again the thunder would get deandre jordan and a first round pick 2028 deandre jordan in a first round pick okay so are the lakers throwing in a pick to make this deal happen we're throwing in that 2028 first round into okc um okay. we would consider the straight swap kendrick nunn for delon right and then we're giving a first round pick to meet the kendrick williams as well as for giving them a salary okay interesting yeah um because yeah, I would say you know Williams is uh, Williams is not necessarily worth a first round pick on his own, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, taking on the salary of DeAndre Jordan probably plus Williams probably gets that to a to a first round pick value, and then yeah, getting getting a guy in Delon Wright who, um, you know maybe can can bring back a little bit of what the Lakers lost in Al Caruso. So that's that's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I try to find a little uh, one in the midst of the craziness. I try to find one like solid move that you'd be like, okay, and, and be okay with it, not pick apart like you will some of these others. Yeah, and and as far as the as far as the Hawks, there's not much happening in that trade. It's just essentially swapping Delon Wright for for none. Uh, yeah, one backup guard for another. Um, I would I would just try to argue that the offensive upside of nuns is probably better than Delon Wright's and maybe a better fit for them on the offensive end. Um, to give some punch when Trey Young's on the floor, um, because Lou Williams kind of has faded in that in that area. Yeah, no, no, I, I think that's I think that's a solid one, and yeah, you know, a lot of people around the Lakers are you know I think are are talking about sort of the bigger deals where you include both Horton Tucker and none to get to a higher salary slot. But no, I I like that one as kind of a a, a lower level deal that can get them 
you know, I think Williams could, could be a solid rotation piece for them. Um, and yeah, right in certain matchups and certain, in certain lineups, I think could help as well. So, uh, let's, let's get to another one of mine then. And, uh, this is, this is one from fellow SBC alum and a, a good buddy of mine, Sager Trekka. This is a three teamer Corbin. Shout out to Sager. All right, let's hear it. So in this trade, the Houston Rockets send, or I guess I'll just mention the teams involved first. It's, it's Houston, Miami, and Boston. Okay. The Houston Rockets send Christian Wood to Miami. Mm. Miami trades Duncan Robinson to the Celtics. The Celtics send away Aaron Neesmith, Josh Richardson, a 2022 first round pick, top eight protected, and a 2023 second round pick to the Rockets. And then also Boston sends Dennis Schroeder to Miami. So I'll just Ooh, break down. Like okay. Break down all, what all three teams get. So the Rockets get Neesmith, Richardson, Boston's 22 first round pick and Boston's 23 second round pick. The Boston Celtics get Duncan Robinson. The Miami Heat get Christian Wood and Dennis Schroeder. What do you think of this, Corbin? I like it. That is that is interesting. Miami definitely gets a little upgrade. You got a little pest in, in Shooter, who I think will be a great fit there. You got someone, Christian Wood, who I think will be a great match, not only with the Heat in general, someone who could like get him just in their culture, but also a nice match with Bam. Um, and then I guess the Rockets are doing more of a youth movement. I mean, they do have Richardson, but you're also using Neesmith in a couple of picks as well. Um, and then the Celtics, one more time, what was their return? The Celtics get Duncan Robinson. Now, listen, the Celtics need some shooting. Right, they make like Duncan Robinson's been, I think, having a career worst shooting year. But in general, take on that contract, hope that hey, you know, you're gonna get some shots because you know, you're gonna get whatever kickout passes desperately fly at you from Jalen Brown and and um Jason Tatum. But I actually do like that as a wing that can kind of fit around them. You know, Boston would take him real well. Um, he's in the same home as Bill Simmons, so his podcast empire would flourish. Um, <laughs> no, I like it, that's interesting, I guess. What is okay? So, what would you what would you like for Boston having Duncan Robinson there? Because I think for the Heat, the players that you have there makes perfect sense. Um, and then for the Rockets, I guess you need Richardson. But even then, I mean, he's what that's he's still on the younger side. Um, and you do have like a, a adult in the room, and then you get a guy Neesmith, who's another giga slot in alongside you know Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., Jay Sean Tate, Alperin Sengun, all those young guys. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think for Boston, this would this would be, you know, a definite yes if we were talking about Duncan Robinson from two years ago, you know, the 45% three-point shooter. But you brought up his his three-point percentage has slipped. I think last I checked, it was around 36%. Now, that's, that's still on fantastic volume, but, um, you know, he's not quite at the elite levels that he was, you know, in previous seasons. So, that is a that is a slight hesitation, and then you know Boston to get him is giving up a guy that I am, uh, you know I'm I'm very high on, even though he hasn't really gotten too much of a shot in, in Neesmith, and then also mm-hmm. uh, you're 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 giving up uh, Schroeder and Richardson as well as a couple of draft picks, including their own first round pick this year. So it is a decent amount to give up, but I I do like the fit of of Robinson with. With Brown and Tatum, you know, his ability to, to go around screens and draw attention away from the, the two Celtic stars is, is really interesting. And also Boston maintains, you know, the, they've still got Marcus Smart. So, you know, they basically would probably throw out a starting lineup of Smart, Robinson, 
Tatum, Brown, and either Horford or Williams. And that, that, that's, that seems pretty, uh, you know, well-balanced. It's got, you know, a lot of guys with differing skill sets. No, I do like it. You're right. It's a nice balance across the board in that respect. And I, I do think, especially Miami, that's a tantalizing fit. I might mess around basketball GM and try to make that happen. <laughs> but I do like the, that, that fit of having, you know, more of an offensive punch in different ways. And both those guys being utilized by Eric Spolstra on the defensive end would be a terror to see. Yeah, and then for, for Miami, right, you get you get Dennis Schroeder, who um, I, I guess, you know, they, they've got Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler as their main ball handlers in that starting lineup. You've got Tyler Hero off the bench. I guess in the event that one of those guys is out, it, it would be helpful to have a guy like Schroeder in there. Um, and then basically you're just swapping out Duncan Robinson for Christian Wood. You're sacrificing maybe a little bit of that shooting versatility for more of the offensive versatility where Wood can post up some and he can get, get on the offensive glass. And he also just provides more size defensively. So it's, it's an interesting one for, for Miami as well, because, you know, they, they've, they've trended to go more towards Bam at the five lineups. And I think that would still be the case here. Wood would probably be the four, but you're, you're, you're maintaining size while also keeping that 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 offensive skill set because Wood is Wood is a tremendously talented offensive player. He is, and somehow, <laughs> and somehow you managed to have. Ooh, start talking already. Somehow you managed to have a, a good mix of both, and it fits the timeline better. I think you know Dennis is still what 28, 20, yeah, 28. Um, Christian Wood is what twenty seven. Like they aged up they're a perfect fit for the heat where they're kind of out of line in terms of these rebuilding teams. But at the same time, they give an injection of youth to a veteran heavy Miami team. You know, I mean, you mentioned both Jimmy Butler and, you know, um, Kyle Lowry being what 32 and 35 respectively. And they got two guys who are still like two years away from their thirties in general, who can soak up heavy minutes, who can play, you know, maybe give those guys some rest, maybe the main ball handlers when they sit or as injuries have just like wreaked havoc on Miami in general, those two could step up and be major um, pieces that don't um, give a significant drop off the floor. So you're able to give Eric Spolstra space, basically starting level quality in your backups, if they were to so be it, or if you push the guys who are starting already to backup spots, which I think is great balance for them overall. And then for Houston, what do you, what do you think about the, basically the return for Christian Wood there being, being uh, Aaron Neesmith, Josh Richardson, the Celtics 22 first round pick and the Celtics 23 second round pick. Do you think that's a good haul for, for Wood? It's weird because I have two trades for Woods, so I don't want to compare. I want to say it's bad and give you like my poopoo platter. I think that like the first round pick is definitely valued, um, and the second as well. I'm not as high on Neesmith as you are. I get the idea of Neesmith, you know, being a young guy who hasn't had. I, I mean, I think I think he's had more of an opportunity, just has been sporadic. Or let's just say this: I don't think he's made the most of the opportunity that he's had. I think he definitely could have more of an opportunity, but he's just seemed kind of sporadic from what I've watched of him now that being said you know give him a defined role in more minutes in houston that could be a different story so just because he isn't high on my books doesn't mean you know that he isn't still a, a, a talent like a, a prospect of some note um and then richardson i think more make money work i like him i don't know if he's like a great fit on that team in general but like come on now they're starting eric gordon so like you know you give another guy who again is a veteran who's not i don't think he's 30 i think it's like 29 28 29 um, still serviceable to play, kind of fit in their team and, and be the adult in the room. So I think it's like a, a, a I don't know, it depends on what the Rockets are looking for for Wood. 
Um, I think it fits like the base criteria. If you get a young guy, you get a first round pick, you get a second as well, and you get another like decent player that you gotta reroute or keep on the team. So I, I think it's a pretty good move. I guess it's just like I think your mileage varies on where you look at Neesmith. If you think he's a guy who can definitely still grow and flourish in a defined role and you're kind of high on his potential still, then you look at that like absolutely. You know, you're getting a young guy that fits in with these other guys. For myself, it's like, eh, it could work. And if so, great. But I like the idea of at least taking that gamble anyway than letting him go for nothing or trading him for another, you know, vet. But I don't know if he's like a Taylor and Tucker. <laughs> you know, I'm curious as to your thoughts on like, you know, what teams would, I, I guess we're going into this trade a lot more deeper than some of the other ones we've already brought up. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you that I think this is, this is an interesting one and one that, that I could imagine a world where all three teams accept this, but I'm curious to get your take as to like, which, which one of the three teams would be most likely to say no here. Hmm. Maybe Boston. I'm on the same page, yeah. Yeah, because I think Houston's fine. I th- like I said, if that meets the framework, Miami definitely has nothing to complain about. But Boston, that might be just very little, you know? Um, especially being that he's having a down year. If he was having a better year, then even then would be a lot if he's like the signature piece of that for them. But it doesn't help that he's not having a good year. And so there are some question marks there. But I, I, would, say, I would say Boston, yeah, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, it's just like right. If if again, if if this was if Duncan Robinson was shooting forty five percent from three, I imagine Boston would uh, would happily take this trade. But then then again, if he was doing that, uh, I doubt that he would want to trade him even for Chris Wood. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you said there, and therein lies the conundrum. All right, so let's get to uh, let's get to the next trade you've got, Corbin. All right, we still want another Lakers. Well, actually, let's just keep it here. We'll keep it Christian Wood Lakers. So. This was when I thought the Rockets, I think this was like when I started making when Kevin Porter Jr. was having issues with Houston. But it was Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. for DeAndre Jordan, Taylor Horn Tucker, and a 2028 first round pick. And again, your mileage varies on where you value Taylor Horn Tucker, who is shooting better outside of the shooting area over the last couple of games. Um, may I add, it's still just 21, um, as well as a 2028 first round pick. Um, in exchange for two guys who, for whatever reason, might not fit the movement. I think that Christian Wood just kind of aged out in that way. Um, and then Kevin Porter Jr. maybe not being an ideal fit alongside uh, Jalen Green, while also maybe not feeling like he should not be like a bench piece. So I think we like take off the Rockets from two potentially uh, troublesome contracts for different reasons, even though Kevin Porter Jr. is on a pretty good one, um, but extension eligible. We take that problem off of Houston's hands. We give them a young guy in Taylor and Tucker. They got a first round pick and then DeAndre Jordan. And you could do what you want with that. And I should just clarify, you, you're you mentioning the, the Lakers sending out a 2028 first. They essentially can send out either the 2027 or 2028. Oh, and, yeah. I just uh, said, yeah. No, but they, I mean, they, they theoretically can send a 2028. I'm just wondering, like, would teams prefer 2027 just because it's a year sooner? It's not quite as abstract, you know, mm-hmm. but. Um, but no, that's so, yeah, essentially you're suggesting here though, that the, the Rockets would get just one first round pick value out of this. Now you're probably, uh, optimistic yeah. suggesting that Taylor Horton Tucker is additional value. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I would, I would question that, especially given his contract, you know, he's making 10 plus million next year and then he's got a player option. So there's not a ton of upside in that contract. 
Uh, he True. certainly hasn't played like a 10, $10 million a, play, a year player this year. So, um, yeah, like even if we just compare it to what we just talked about where the Rockets are getting a first from Boston, also a second from Boston, and also a guy in Neesmith who I still think has some potential. I don't think it quite stacks up to, to that point, but I guess the, the other thing, you know, to play devil's advocate with myself, um, <laughs> the, uh, that, that 2027 or 2028 Lakers first round pick, especially if it's say unprotected could be pretty darn valuable. Right. There's, there definitely is somebody that you're right. You don't know how this post LeBron team will look. Um, also whether or not you trust, uh, you know, the, the, the current, um, Lakers executive in Rob Palenka is uh, one that uh, remains to be seen. You know, the Lakers management team, let's not forget, they sucked for 10 years almost before, you know, getting LeBron. But basically, if you want to look at from 2014 to 2020, okay, so six years, but six solid years of really being bad. You know what I mean? So it, it it's different. It's definitely different in terms of um, how what your faith is in that. And if you think, hey, I'm in a solid franchise where I can still be at the helm of this movement, you know, in five years. And I can not only have a youth team that at that point, Jalen Green extension, you know, all these other guys that are grow, growing up, these young guys already having this draft in next year's draft. But then we can also capitalize on, you know, an aging or f- depleted or just straight up losing Lakers team and take their pick as well to add to this ensemble. Like the idea of it is certainly tantalizing up to a certain degree. But again, I agree with you, um, which I hate since I made the trade, but like your value on that, it, I would throw in more first round picks if Lakers had more to give, but they don't. Um, and then also like, yeah, Taylor Horn Tucker, like that's really our only half appealing piece. And it's really appealing in the eye of the beholder. So we're hoping that, you know, after a good game, Hey, Taylor Horn Tucker, look at that. He's only 21. So you're definitely right on that. And that even shows you. Look at the wingspan. Look at Ex- the wingspan. Exactly. He gets to the room so easy. His shot's coming around. You know, it's his thumb injury, whatever the case may be. But it even shows you how volatile he is as a trade asset is that, and, and I don't like to say in that way, but even when I made the trade, I was so much more optimistic on it because it's coming off a good stretch of games by him and a bad stretch by, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. And, and Christian Wood. And now it's like, ah, oh, that aged horribly. And it's only been a couple weeks. Yeah. And, I think that's going to be a fascinating sort of development come the trade deadline. If the Lakers are committed to, to making a move, I think the way that their offer can compete with other teams and potentially surpass other teams offers is if Palenka is willing to make that pick unprotected, you know, um, because Absolutely. if he doesn't, or at least very, very minimal protections, because if he doesn't, I just have a really hard time seeing them beating some of these other teams offers, but uh, no, that, that was a good one. I thought that was interesting. And yeah, obviously I think, I think Christian Wood would be, would be a really good fit as uh, you know, again, they, they won that championship in the bubble just by playing really big with LeBron AD and a center. Um, so to have, have Wood that has that kind of size, but then also mm-hmm. has the skill set to space the floor would, would be really interesting. Um all right, let's uh, let's get to to another one that I have here. Um, okay. This is uh, I've got like sort of two variations of this trade, so um, I'll okay. present the first one. We can kind of talk about it, and then I'll give the variation. Cool, cool. So this is this is re- involving the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the uh, and the San Antonio Spurs. Okay. So the Cleveland Cavaliers trade Ricky Rubio. 
their 2022 first round pick lottery protected and their 2022 second round pick that they own via Houston to the San Antonio Spurs for Derek White. Interesting. So you're getting off a of salary. You give some. You're giving some picks um, to San Antonio. You're getting a guy who fits in perfectly alongside them as the Rubio replacement. Someone who's a better shooter. Um, someone who plays decent defense, really solid defense, and yeah, is a, a Rubio equivalent. But someone who doesn't need to like. I like it. Like you play on the ball. Definitely has, has developed his on ball scoring ability. Could be a nice punch, scoring punch for the Cleveland Cavs. And then for the Spurs, you're really just getting draft capital, really, right? And flexibility in that way. In terms of not yeah, having the contract a, of White. Yeah, you've got the expiring contract of Rubio that'll come off the books. Yeah. Yeah, you get you get a first and a, a really a, a quality second as well. Exactly. Yeah, you're right where that's going to place. Um, yeah, I do like it. I think that's a solid, neat trade. Yeah. I wonder if they'd open up the protections on the lottery, though, given how Cleveland's played. You mean you mean if uh, if if San Antonio wants the wants the protections lowered, you're saying exactly? Or? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, yeah, because like I mean I I don't know. I think that Cleveland's kind of I think they're here, you know. But and I mean, yeah, like if if, if if I mean it, even just lottery protected, I think the Spurs would be very confident they'll get that pick. Oh yeah, oh most definitely. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, and yeah, I I think Derek White would be a fantastic fit next to Garland. I think he's a perfect match because he's got that size and the ability to guard point guards. If the opposition has an elite point guard, he could also guard, you know, more of the, uh, he could guard more of the twos as well. If, if the opposition has a, if it's like the Washington wizards, you know, you're playing on a Tuesday night. Um, and then offensively he can, he can handle some on the ball, but he can play off the ball and, Age-wise, you know, he's he's maybe right on the upper echelon of, like, um, still fitting into their timeline. I think he's 27 right now. He'll be 28 um, here in, uh, you know, in a few months. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think for this Cavs team, like, you know, I, I know a lot of people say, well, you've got Darius Garland is 21, Evan Mobley's 20, Jared Allen's, what, 23. So you're, you're thinking, like, four or five years from now maybe, but mm-hmm. I think there's a chance that this team and, and a lot of those, you know, that core three that the Cavs have, those guys could be peaking as early as like, you know, 2024. Yeah. Plus, I mean, think about it. I'm not even really worried about that because you look at the impact that um, Ricky Rubio had at age 31 for the Cavs and how, you know, how long was that going to last? Like, was it going to be through age 33, 34 if he signed extension with the Cavs, you know, in the off season, let's say they bring him back on a two-year deal. So we're looking at Rubio from 31 to 33. Now you have Derek White from 27 to 30, you know, or something like that. Like you're getting the same kind of impact, still getting the same veteran, um, maybe not quite to Rubio's level, but definitely more on off ball utility. Um, and you're getting a couple of years younger at that and, and someone who could still bridge that gap between the young guys on this team as they approach their prime. Yeah, and the, and the Cavs' defense is already outstanding. You add Derek White mm-hmm. to the mix, and it would be oh yes, it's filthy. a different level. Um, you want to hear the the add on that I have to this? Trade? I was about to ask. Yes. So it doesn't involve any additional teams; just involves one more player from each team swapping. Okay. So the Cavs would throw in Colin Sexton into the deal, mm. and the Spurs would throw in Devin Vassell. 
I like that a little better. I like that a little better. You get additional wing defender, three and D guy for Cleveland. You don't need another ball handler like Colin Sexton, which is exactly what you do need, I think, in San Antonio. Because Lonnie Walker, while being good, I don't know if I someone I want to keep long term around um, Dejounte Murray. And you have Dejounte Murray and Colin Sexton. That could be a decent backcourt in terms of a unique mix of offense, defense, grit, just kind of type of player that Coach Pop likes, but just more offensively talented, more flashy on that end. Um, and Cleveland uh, put Devin Vassell in alongside this freaky, big, lengthy lineup that the Cavs love to utilize. Let J.B. Bickerstaff mess around with it. Um, and you could have some really crazy lineups between, you know, Larry Markkinen, um and the two bigs and Devin Vassell and um, Darius Garland. Or, you know, Darius Garland take out Larry Markkinen, keep in the two bigs, throw in Devin Vassell and Isaac Okoro. You know, like there's some interesting lineups that could be had with a great mix of defense, corner three-point shooting, length, athleticism, just sheer size. Yeah, I like that a lot for both squads. Yeah, uh, and, you know, you can always throw in more draft picks. I, I don't know how you're how you feel on, like, if if you would if you think Colin Sexton and Vassell have, you know, and Devin Vassell have similar value. I tend to lean that this, uh, just because of, the value of wings in the league and the fact that Vassell still has a few more years before he's going to get paid, that he would be slightly more valuable in terms of just trade value. I would agree. Plus the injury, unfortunately, as much as it it hurts to say, you know, yeah, he's still young. Yeah. He's about to get paid, but we also don't know what it's going to look like coming back from that. We can only kind of assume. And so for that, yeah, I agree. But yeah, you know, if I'm the Cavs, I would be willing to throw an additional draft capital if it gets me the combination of Derek White and Devin Vassell. I think they would basically, at that point, say, you know, we've got our core guys that we're going to yeah. potentially win a championship with in a few years. We're set to rock with the Detroit Pistons style from like 2004, 2009. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, let's let's get back to one of your, uh, uh, I, I believe we still have a few more Lakers deals, right? Uh, yeah, we do. Um this one is another Rockets Lakers deal. Um, Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, Taylor Horn Tucker, and a 2027 first rounder to Houston for Eric Gordon and John Wall. Pretty, pretty simple. Much talked about. Oh, wow. Huh. Yep. Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, Taylor Horn Tucker, 2027 first rounder. We'll take the contract of John Wall and we'll still get Eric Gordon off your hands. You know what, Corbin? I, I really like that one. And we're, we're sure the we're sure the financials work in, in that deal. Yes. Um, let me double check it because I did this a minute ago and just I, when I say a minute, I mean like a couple days ago and just uh screenshot this. But from what I remember, they do. Um, let me give you while you get your analysis on this, I'm going to try to trade again just to make sure that I am right. Yeah, here. I'll um I'll just yeah get my thoughts. So and I'll double check it. Yeah. Uh, similar to similar to that Knicks deal where you've got Essentially, you were hoping in that deal that like the, the combination of Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose gives you some of what you were getting from Russ. Obviously, you would you would hope the same here with John Wall that he would give you some of what you're getting from from Russ. And then also, I I like Eric Gordon more than like an Evan Fournier, especially with the contract situation. Eric Gordon only I think has two years left on his deal, whereas Fournier might have I, I believe three. I'm glad you said that. It, it is success. No, no, no issues. Nothing around it. Yeah, perfect success. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and then for Houston, you know, they're, um, they're getting that valuable first round pick. They're basically just, you know, again, swapping, <laughs> swapping wall at Westbrook. 
uh, which is which would be hilarious as well beyond just <laughs> it could be could be helpful for them as far as yeah getting that additional draft capital and, and getting a look at least at uh, at a guy like Horton Tucker so yeah I, I don't mind that um, it, yeah I, I think that would just be Absolutely hilarious, though, if, if Wall and Westbrook swap once again. Yeah, I really do. That'd be kind of crazy. Uh, very much 2K uh, trade-worthy stuff right there. All right, so I've got I've got another one here. This is this one involves the Pacers and the Hornets. Ooh. All right, the Indiana Pacers trade Miles Turner to Charlotte for Mason Plumley, James Booknight. Kai Jones and a 2023 lottery protected first round pick. Interesting. How do you feel about this one? I think that's one of your, one of my favorite ones so far. I think that Indiana gets like the first rounder. They get some young talent. I wish Kai Jones had played a little better than he's played so far, uh, but I guess the same argument can be said for James Booknight. Regardless, both of them have the opportunity um, to play in Indiana and being recent lottery picks and in Booknight's case, um, definitely come with the cachet at least needed for this trade. Um, while Mason Plumley being a serviceable big, you know, and for the Hornets, they get the upgrade from serviceable to like really decent that they need someone who could space the floor, will get some more offense opportunities, can get and run with these young guys, you know, fit alongside of PJ Washington or or Miles Bridges, definitely work magic um, in the pick and roll, pick and pop with the mellow ball. Yeah, I think both teams benefit from that in a, in a, in a good way. Yeah, you know, the the Miles Turner injury made it so that, uh, you know, he's going to be out past the trade deadline, apparently. And, and I think that really took him. Um, it was a stress reaction in the left foot that is uh, is going to keep him past the out past the deadline. So I think prior to that injury, I think it was pretty much, yeah, you needed to throw two first round picks of value to get him. Now, maybe that might be lessened. And I feel like this is the perfect, perfect sort of compromise where you're getting one first and then also two, as you mentioned, recent first round picks that haven't necessarily shown much, but, uh, you know, you can, you can make an argument that the two of them combined are worth close to a first-round pick in value. Definitely, um, definitely. I think, again, it's one of those squint, but you could definitely kind of see it. Yeah, and then for Charlotte, I think Miles Turner does exactly what, um, you know, hopefully, you know, assuming he gets back at some point this season and, and is healthy and good, he does something that like what Clint Capella did for the Atlanta Hawks defense last year, where um, he doesn't, he doesn't hurt your offense too much, but really brings your, your defense. You know, the Hornets have been near the bottom of the league defensively all season long. If he can get them, you know, towards, you know, 20th or even, you know, 18th, something in that range combined with how efficient and excellent their offense has been, that makes them, you know, a, a real threat to, uh, to, to maybe not win win the championship this year, but a threat to be, you know, to make it out of the, the first round this year and maybe in a few years, who knows? I agree. I mean, it's still, you're right. It gives the opportunity, the window for both to kind of look forward. And I think in a way that you're right, it, 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 who knows where, where they can line up in that, in that respect. I definitely am interested in Indiana game. I guess I want, I'm more, in, funnily enough, I'm more interested in what Indiana does, what James Booknight does in Indiana, what Kai Jones does with the chance, even being coached by Rick Carlisle, just seeing them kind of commit to something of a youth movement and knowing those guys will get minutes would be interesting. 
Absolutely. All right. Let's let's move on to to your next one. Yeah. Let's uh, let's finish off the the Lakers ones you have. Okay. Great. Yeah. So I think I had one. Well, let me do. I'm gonna throw the last. Oh no, I only have one more. Look at that. Okay. Yeah, I have one more Lakers trade than I have my regular one, and I'm done. All right. So Lakers trade. This one's just a swap for a swap of uh, questionable contracts between the 76ers and the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers give up Russell Westbrook to Philadelphia. Philadelphia gives up Tobias Harris to the Lakers. Okay. Straight swap. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, uh-huh. I, I think, uh, yes, you're, you're right that they're both well overpaid. I would say Russ's contract is far worse. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Tobias Harris is just a, a better basketball player at this stage than, than Russell Westbrook as well. So I, oh, wow. I don't, I don't see any world where – Daryl Morey would accept this, but I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate the effort, Corbin. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I just, I'm not like for what Tobias is being paid. You're not getting like for what Russ is getting paid. The idea of Russ working with Embiid is both interesting and horrifying, like to think about, but for what Tobias is giving, like what 14 points a game, doesn't give you any, you give me 14, whether you want it or, or not, you need 26 points to get 14 points a game. You need 14 points a game to get like, that's the kind of game Tobias Harris has for three more years on that deal, you know? And and you talk about reaching a peak. This is it, you know? So you are giving a significant portion of your, of your uh, uh, roster construction right now to a guy who, yes, while serviceable, while still being a very good player, is not being, well, let me not say very good player. He's been a player for them. You know, I just don't think he's been super great. When Russ, the hypothetical ceiling is higher, um, it definitely could sink a lot lower because I do think that in a vacuum, yeah, you want what Tobias brings more than what you when Russ brings. But I think that what Russ potentially could bring to Philadelphia, whereas we don't need Tobias Harris to come and score, give the Lakers 14 points a game. Can you play defense and be a wing size guard position, worry about the contract later? Where the 76ers, hey, we might strike gold with Russ, you know, being a nice yet volatile fit. And if not, we got one more year of that and we're done. You know, um, or we could just move him off as expiring when that deal would be much more easier to move. So I think the idea there is more fit than player, because I think you're right. Like like Tobias is a better player than Russ, but I think Russ would be a better fit potentially in Philadelphia than Tobias will be for the next couple of years. Because he's not even really being a great off-ball shooter. I don't know. He's just been, I mean, I've been talking to a lot of Philadelphia people who have not been very high on Tobias Harris. But the point being is like, even just in a vacuum, I mean, they're trying to get rid of his contract for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's being shopped for a reason. And you would think, look at his numbers go, wow, 18 points a game, seven rebounds, great. No, like, long term, it's probably not that great. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, yeah, there, there are obvious fit issues with, with Harris in Philadelphia. Like, you know, I think one of the, the problems that he, he's, he hasn't been able to become the volume three point shooter that you would like from a wing out, you know, around a, a player like Joel Embiid. But like, if we're talking about Man, players uh-huh. who have fit issues and we're talking, we're talking about getting Russell Westbrook in return. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's just exchanging one problem for, for an even bigger problem, in my opinion. Oh. Yeah, no, I get that. I think in this case, it's like, I, I see, I have to keep, okay, in this case, I think, like, you are exchanging, literally and figuratively, a, a more volatile player, a, a worse contract, absolutely. But, like, if you're saying, I need, right now, if you say, I need Russ to step on and have a big game, as, as bad, as many bad games you've had from Russ, I would look at Russ to give a big game alongside Embiid than I would Tobias Harris. 
I mean, the, I, I would say the numbers would back that up just by looking at their numbers most like last 15 games or so. But I, I would just say that I would expect as bad as Russ has been, and he's been pretty bad, that he would step up in a, in, a, in a way that Tobias Harris, I don't think is capable of doing. Now, again, this is the rush shine glasses on, but also I just, I'm looking at Tobias's numbers when I did this and it's like his three-point shooting is the worst it's been in like five years. And mind you, um, back when he had his second worst three-point shooting year, he only played 27 games. You know, he's shooting 34% on less than four threes a game. Like you said, he has been high volume. His shooting numbers have dipped. So is his efficiency. Um, so is his free throw shooting numbers. Like, it's been a, just a general dip across the board on the offensive end. Well, you're only serviceable on the defensive end. So if you're not stepping up on the offensive end, what are you getting paid $36 million to do? Yeah. No, I mean, but I agree with you. At the end of the day, I can't shine Russell Westbrook any more than – than, than I have. I mean, you can't polish the, I don't want to call him a turd. We can't polish it any more than, than I have. So I guess I'm just saying that the idea of Russ playing a your turn, my turn with another player has worked before. Whereas the idea of Tobias Harris being a second, decent second option has never worked in his career. So I guess that's my only like argument, but I agree with you mostly. Yeah. Harris. Yeah. The, the three point percentage. Um, I hadn't really even noticed that, that, uh, it, it's a it's a lot according to cleaning glass due to the corner three point percentage for his career he's mostly been you know in the mid 40s he's even gotten up to 51 percent on corner threes uh, in certain seasons this year he's shooting just 31 percent on corner threes so that's that's Jeez. an interesting interesting development but um you know if the lakers threw in their 2027 first in that deal i still don't think maury would do it but i think it's at least more reasonable um yeah and I, I do, I do also again appreciate the, uh, the these trades that you're bringing up that could provide just some some great comedy. Given that this would be the second time that Daryl Morey will would have <laughs> for Russell Westbrook's contract. Very true, very true. I appreciate your your analysis on it because at first he looked amazing to me. Now I'm like, oh, eh, I can see some interesting thoughts here. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's get to. I, I've got three more to go. So uh, this first one is, uh, you know. Kind of a simple one, but uh, it's uh, it involves the Jazz and the Celtics. The Utah Jazz trade Mike Conley to Boston for Marcus Smart and Romeo Langford. One more time, Ro- Romeo Langford and Marcus Smart are going to U- to to Utah for, for Mike U- Conley for Mike Conley. I just want to make sure I heard that right. Okay, interesting. Utah gets more defense, absolutely. Boston gets an uh, uh, offensive-minded point guard that is not Marcus Smart that can set the table for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and knock down threes at a high clip and play decent defense. You're not taking too much off the table between Mike Conley and Marcus Smart. For Utah, you're basically giving Donovan Mitchell the ball of the offensive end and turning the offense over to him. And having a guy in Marcus Smart who could play decent defense, shoot the three okay, guy in Romeo Langford, a young kind of guy to add alongside that, um, and then just letting Donovan Mitchell go to work. And getting off a Conley contract as well. I don't think that's – I think it's a solid trade. Yeah, I mean, interesting. The, the Jazz would be – this would be them – you know, base, uh, you know, kind of panicking about the Clippers series from last year, where a lot of their perimeter defenders just got blown off the dribble. 
Um, this would be a step in the direction of, okay, we're obviously taking a step back offensively by losing Conley, who's had a, another great offensive year, but bringing in not one, not one, but two solid defenders and in a guy in smart who really can, can in some ways change your, your whole team's defensive culture. Um, and then, yeah, as far as Boston is concerned, you, you think that with the likes of Tatum, Brown, Horford, Williams, you know, that you've got enough defensive talent on your roster that maybe making an offensive upgrade in, in acquiring Conley would take you to another level. So, I mean, I, yeah, to me, the, the team that would pop would more, more likely say no here is Utah, but it, you know, you can kind of see the logic as to why both teams would want to make this move, given that Utah in the postseason has, has somewhat struggled defensively. And Boston in, you know, the last couple of regular seasons has has struggled more on the offensive end. I agree. It's a perfect kind of solve to each team's issues in that way. You know, it just it's it's funny because of the pieces involved. They're not like super huge, but they do make a perfect application. I mean, Marcus Smart make a great fit in Utah. You already detailed um the impact Conley would have in Boston. I it, it works. It's a it's one of those trades that on first glance, like, whoa, run about me again. But then you think about it, like, yeah, it's it's technically sound. Yeah. And I guess the, the, the argument for like, you know, Utah going and and getting smart as their defensive fix, you could argue that, well, teams in the postseason are just going to attack your weak links. So, you know, you've still got Clarkson playing minutes. You've still got Bogdanovich playing, playing minutes. You've still got Joe Ingles playing minutes. So teams will still have a weak point to attack, even if smart is out there. Whereas Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe a better fix for Utah's playoff defense is getting sort of a secondary rim protector, somebody like a, like a Robert Covington, where if Rudy Gobert is switched out to a guy on the perimeter and someone else gets beat, that you've got another guy that can sort of protect the rim. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice substitution in that way. But again, um, the same qualities needed. Yeah. So you've got one left. So why don't I, why don't I just throw another one at you here real quick? Okay. So this one is a, a trade between the Dallas Mavericks and the Detroit Pistons. We had to do at least one fake trade involving Jeremy Grant. Given We that. had to, given everything. Yep, I'm with it. So, <laughs> and Dallas, interesting. Yeah, so this, this trade involves the Mavericks tra- sending away Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green, their 2025 first, top eight protected, and their 2027 first top eight protected to the Pistons in exchange for Jeremy Grant. I mean, I guess it looks at how much you value. <sighs> that's an, that's my, probably my, this is probably the most complicated one to me because if the picks were lottery protected, I'd be like, okay, great. Top eight. Mm, I mean, Oh, if it's, if it falls, I give it's not in the top eight, it falls. No, that's fine. That makes sense. Um, I just, especially with the injury to Tim Hardaway, that's tough. And then I guess it depends. But in general, like you are getting a in in Tim Hardaway, you are getting a good three and D guy, um, especially on the defensive end this year. His three point shooting dropped this year. But on the defensive end, you've had a solid player. And then in Josh Green, I guess your miles varies on him. I like it. Ultimately, I think that you get two first rounders. It's more than that's exactly what Detroit's looking for. More than I think they're actually going to get. Um, a player in in Tim Hardaway who can lead, either move there in the offseason or like keep around, but one who um, can definitely be serviceable for Detroit. 
especially they're trying to look to win now, be more competitive now, not win now, but be more, be more competitive. Um, the Josh Green is a nice young player as well. So, I mean, I guess you kind of get what you're looking for there. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this this trade basically suggests that Tim Hardaway Jr. and Josh Green have pretty much, you know, average to possibly slightly below average value given Hardaway's <laughs> contract. Uh, and everything there, yeah. But, uh, you know, as, as far as all the rumors I've heard, it's uh, I've gotten the impression that Detroit is expecting uh, or at least asking for two firsts for, for Jeremy Grant. Now, maybe maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't. Um, but, yeah, you, I guess also, you know, Dallas could always take out one of those firsts and, and throw in a couple seconds instead or something if you think the pick, the pick package is, is too much for Jeremy Grant. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about just Jeremy Grant basically replacing Tim Hardaway Jr. in the Mavs rotation and what that does for them? I like it. I think defensively the Mavs have been so much better. Um, offensively, a three-point shooting actually kind of around where Tim Hardaway's was and kind of in the same ballpark. Yes, yeah, because of a very down year from THJ, but still. But what you're getting aside from that on-ball, you know, he's been able to kind of get his on-ball chops utilized a little bit more. So you have some more of that to, to consider. Um, be someone who could step up in a way that you weren't getting from THJ in the sense that he could go off. You could see, like, you know, 25 points, be a, a second kind of perimeter guy alongside Luca to say nothing of what he brings in defensive end as well. Um, being a, a secondary kind of rim protector and, and the like, I like it a lot. I think that's a, a really solid um, fit there. It's actually one of my more hopeful ones this year. Yeah. And, and I think for Detroit, especially given the, the extension that Jeremy Grant wants and, and that also, I guess, could lower that potential value for a team trading for him is knowing that Jeremy Grant wants a, what was it? Four year, $112 million. Yep. Some wild. I mean, not wild, but in my mind, wild. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe he won't ultimately, maybe he'll only be worth like, you know, one first round pick and some, some extra little pieces like a Josh Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Expectation and reality. I think you're right. Especially when you bring into account that contract extension hold. But uh, you know, every team wants every team wants athletic wings, and and Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant showed in the playoffs with the Nuggets in the bubble that he, that he can he can contribute at a high level on you know as a third or fourth guy on a really good team. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Let's get to let's get to your last one, Corbin. You got one left that is uh, we we finally got a non Laker trade coming from from Corbin Ford here. Yep. Yes, all of our Laker trades are exhausted. We have one final trade. It's actually my biggest one. Um, not biggest in terms of teams, but okay, three teams. Pacers, Grizzlies, Timberwolves. Pacers will get Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, the 2022nd first round pick from the Lakers, top 10 protected. Wait, I thought this didn't involve the Lakers. Oh, my fault. It, it, well, the pick's coming from Memphis. Oh, okay. Wait. So, so uh, Memphis owns a Lakers future pick. Yeah, twenty twenty. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just found that when I was looking through their their. I didn't know they had the Lakers pick. That shows me my level of research there. Then they have a lottery protected twenty twenty five first round pick from the Grizzlies as well, that they own outright. And then they're getting a twenty twenty second second round pick from the Timberwolves. That's the Pacers haul. The Grizzlies are just getting Carl Anthony Towns. Oh man! Whoa. Exactly. <laughs> Whoa! I didn't then, see this happening. Okay. Yep. And then the Timberwolves are getting Kyle Anderson, Miles Turner, and Desmond Bain. Woo! 
Okay, I got it. Yes. We got to recap this. We got to run this back. Okay. So, Pacers are getting Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, a top 10 protected first-round pick in 2022, a lottery protected first-round pick in 2025, and then a second-rounder, also in 2022. So, they're they're, uh, they're essentially getting a couple of firsts for shipping out Miles Turner. Exactly. Yep. And then how do you feel about Brandon Clark and then Steven Adams as well? But you're right. Like the value wise is a couple of first four Turner. The Grizzlies are getting Carlton Towns. Bam. That that's what they're getting. Then for the Timberwolves, you're getting Miles Turner, almost like a pseudo, you know, Towns kind of replacement. Desmond Bain, after the year he's been having for Memphis as another shooter, a movement guy, some guy who's on a good contract long term. And then Kyle Anderson, the expiring to make money work. Um, for the Grizzlies, I mean, obviously, you get to upgrade at center without losing any of your core pieces in Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. Um, you don't even lose Dylan Brooks. For the Timberwolves, you're getting a guy that's not of the same value of Kyle Anthony Towns, but can mimic a lot of that on the defensive end and the way he shoots the three ball. Get another guy in Desmond Bain who you think can grow along the wings haha, with Anthony Edwards. And then a guy in Kyle Anderson who's an expiring but fits well in the meantime. And like you said, picks for the Pacers. And contract salary match is Stephen Adams, as well as a young guy in Brandon Clark. Okay, so my first thought, my first reaction to this is, why is Minnesota doing this? Uh, <laughs> like, why are they trade? So at the time that I made this trade, I thought that being the Timberwolves again. A lot of this was lots changed in a week and a half. But when I was cooking up this trade, I was there. The Timberwolves are doing the same thing they do. This is them shaking it up and and making the first domino fall. Like. They might be in the plan. They might not. They were going through a rough stretch. I'm like, okay, blow it up. Just make it happen. You get a guy in Miles Turner. You want more of the offense? Great. Get a guy in doesn't make Like, you're retooling, but you're letting the first big piece go. That was my mindset there if we were to get rid of Towns. I mean, D'Angelo Russell is too kind of niche for me in that way. Like, okay, Philadelphia or, you know, what other team needs a point guard, make trades work. Carlton Towns is a big fish in that way. Um, and I really want to make a three-team trade, so I had to think of another team that could benefit from it, and I thought of Indiana. Yeah, I guess, like, for me, Minnesota to, to you know, obviously I, I really like Miles Turner, but Carl Anthony Towns is, like, a borderline top 20 player in the NBA, and we saw Drew Holiday, who is, uh, you know, I, I would say not quite as good as Carl Anthony Towns as a player, get, like, three first, go for three first and multiple pick swaps, so for Minnesota to get Miles Turner, and, and I really love Turner and Bain. I like both of them, but they're both more like, you know, they're two really good starters. And you're trading away a, a star, borderline superstar to get those two guys and no picks at all. I just don't think that's that's enough of a haul for Towns. But I think the the Towns to Memphis thing is fascinating because I've, I've sort of been thinking about, okay, how what does Memphis do in terms of, getting a third star to pair with with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. And I was thinking more in the lines of like go after a wing like a Jalen Brown, but you're mm. thinking let's let's just go all, you know, let's go big and have Jaron Jackson Jr. as our defensive center and um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns as this big that can uh, can really you, you you'd have two bigs so you'd stay huge but the grizzlies would still have plenty of floor spacing because those yes. are shooting bigs in the game yes you said it exactly like somehow you enhance your spread floor i mean john morant can go absolutely crazy 
with the pick and roll pick and pop combination with those two bigs running horn sets and the like. And yeah, you've kind of diversified that way. Your defense is still big in that way, but also offensively. Yeah. The, the, the spacing is even more spread, but it's coming from a position that wasn't expected. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind it for two of the three. It's just, I, yeah, I have that issue with that, uh, with the, with the Timberwolf side of it. But, and that no. makes, oh no. And that's, and that's one that's heavily, contingent on whether that and I, I doubt this is gonna happen. I mean, even looking at their most recent one, I think the Timbers are gonna try to ride this out and continue on. It was a hypothetical if they were to blow it up, that there's one possible outcome they could go. I definitely think it's aged worse than when I was thinking this trade over, um, in terms of something they would do. I, I honestly think that Cat is he's not going anywhere. Uh but at the time I was like, oh maybe it's possible. And if so, this is one hypothetical. I imagine he'd probably go to a much bigger team, but like like you said, it, it was an interesting, intriguing possibility there. Yeah, and, and I think if if anything, I think it's opened my eyes up to the possibility of yeah Memphis instead of you know trading for a third star that's a wing or you know a guard, but yeah, going after another big because of Jackson Jr.'s versatility. I think that is mm-hmm. an interesting an interesting sort of route. Yeah, so, and look at the success of Cleveland. You know exactly right. Um, so so let's get to my last one here. And this one, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what you're going to think about this, but uh, I saw this uh, um, on uh, on Twitter for um, uh, Nate Duncan and, and John Hollinger had had something where they would have people submit, uh, submit some trades. And I, I was looking over some and, and this was one that I thought was interesting. Mm. This involves the Atlanta Hawks and the Sacramento Kings. There's been uh-huh. some there's been some rumors about John Collins being on the uh, on the trade block. So the Hawks send John Collins to Sacramento. Oh, okay. I already like this. For Harrison Barnes, Davion Mitchell, a 2022 second round pick actually that Sacramento owns from Atlanta that they would give back to the Hawks. And then also a 2022 Detroit second. So again, to, to recap it, Atlanta sending John Collins to Sacramento in in exchange for Harrison Barnes and Davion Mitchell from the player front, and then a couple of second-round picks, including Atlanta's own second and the Detroit Pistons second. Interesting. Interesting. I like the fit of Sacramento with John Collins. You know, playing alongside De'Aaron Fox, the length of the athleticism there, you're still also – alongside Rashawn Holmes. That's a very athletic front court for sure. Um, yeah, that's a good fit. And then for Atlanta, you get a kind of scrappy backup guard, young player, Davion Mitchell, who kind of grow alongside um, Trey Young. And you get a guy in Harrison Barnes who does just what they need in terms of having just enough solid defense, enough solid scoring, can potentially step up every once in a while and be a good second option from the wing area, play the three, more comfortable with the four, and does in a different way than Collins where he's okay not needing more offensive responsibility. We've seen John Collins say, hey, I want more plays drawn for me. That's exactly not what Harrison Barnes wants. You know, like, he'll take the ball and play out the post, uh, play out the pinch post area. He'll spot up and shoot threes, you know? He'll take kick-out opportunities. Like, he's a guy that isn't even at his best creating his own offense, so isn't trying to really spread those wings in that way. And I think that would work perfectly with an offense with Trey Young at the helm. So I do like that. And the picks for Sacramento's trouble, like, yeah. I mean, you get that in addition to getting for losing Mitchell, but also gaining Collins. I think that's a great fit for both teams. Yeah. And I guess this, 
you know, the, the pick, the, the picks that Sacramento would have to send to acquire Collins, I, I assume would vary depending on how high you are on, on John Collins. I, I really like John Collins. I think he's a quality starting four in the NBA, but like, I also think Harrison Barnes is that now, obviously you're sacrificing age and extended contract that Collins just signed. But I think, you know, Harrison Barnes provides 80, 85 to 90% of what John Collins gives you. And you get a guy that I'm very high on in Davion Mitchell, who, you know, he hasn't had the greatest of rookie years, but he's already shown that he is a very good defensive guard. And a lot of times it takes a few years for guards to really develop that, that offensive game. And I think he would be a potentially a, a really good fit even to play with Trey Young because of that defensive that defensive talent that he has uh so so yeah I, I like it I think it's I think it's an interesting one and yeah you, you talk about Sacramento you kind of then move forward saying okay we've got a young core at least a, a young core three of Fox Halliburton and Collins mm-hmm. and, you know, build out from there no I think it's smart and it's a nice foundation to possibly jumpstart this team into the plan Hopefully the playoffs, you know what I mean? So, and I do like Collins, and I think that he would be, I don't know if he'd be utilized in the best way this year with a team in Sacramento that's in transition. You know, we forget just the same year losing um, Luke Wall and getting Alvin Gentry kind of having to undergo that. I doubt that John Collins is going to go to a team that's really going to utilize him to the most uh, of his abilities, but at the same time, uh, the potential is there. And he plays in a fast-paced kind of environment. I think he'd work better with a less, I don't want to say selfish in a negative way, but point guard in that way. Yeah, it'll be a great fit, I think. Encourage him to kind of spread his wings. All right. Well, Corbin, we're again, as I said, this episode will air about 10 days before the trade deadline. Are you uh, are you looking forward to it? Are you expecting a lot of fireworks or are you kind of expecting with with the playing and stuff and more teams sort of being in the race for uh, for that 10 spot that maybe we'll, we'll have kind of a quiet quiet afternoon you know how are you how are you feeling what are what's some of your gut instincts here about uh, what we're going to experience in the in the near future i feel like it might be like one or two trades we didn't see coming but i think that all in all the market will be pretty quiet i am excited to kind of spend the day like looking at my you know nba preview shows on nba tv and espn and well really just nba tv but the point being looking around and checking those out and watching twitter and maybe being on an event or two myself like yeah the, the circus around it's always more fun you know refreshing Twitter, you know, avoiding the trolls and the fake trades and all of that and seeing reactions of other people like that is the most fun to me. Um, as far as expectations for it though. Yeah. I'm not super hyped on the idea of like a bunch of trainers, just too many potential buyers and not enough sellers out here in this market. So I think maybe the pieces that we expect to be traded probably will um, just maybe to teams that we don't expect. I think it can get kind of interesting in terms of the value for some of these deals, but Ultimately, I think it's going to be a relatively kind of eh, kind of day. Like I could not see like a 2015 blockbuster trade deadline, you know? Right. And again, I think a lot of the injuries we, we've talked about, the injury to Miles Turner and the injury to Colin Sexton, like I think those two guys would be very high up in terms of guys that had the possibility of being dealt, but it's less likely with, since they're not currently available. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always hopeful, but I feel like with the trade deadline, most of the time I'm, I'm disappointed because I'm expecting to be more like, you know, day one of free agency and it's never, it's never that. Uh, but, uh, Corbin, this was, this is a heck of a lot of fun. Thanks so much for, as always for, for coming on and, and joining me for uh, episode number 200. I was going to say, man, it's always the truth with you. I appreciate you, my friend. Happy 200. Well-deserved. And 
Here's the 200 more. Thanks for listening to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. Corbin Ford and Gary Bouguet here with you. And uh, just wanted to, to quickly say before we wrap up, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review Duncan Dynasty. We're on, uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, wherever you get your, uh, your podcast. That is uh, much appreciated. You can find me on uh, Twitter at Garrett Bouguet. Corbin, why don't you tell the people what you got going on? Oh, man, you can find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Uh, definitely make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. I mean, following me is just an afterthought here. But if you want some more NBA content from yours truly, uh, check out Round Ball Ramble. Um, it is my podcast. You can also find uh, the description uh, on my Twitter handle, or on my once you click on my Twitter handle. Uh, definitely check that out. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of other um, assorted pods. I love talking hoops just like my friend Gary does. So you know where to find me there. That's the main part to catch my work. Yeah, can't recommend Round Ball Ramble enough. Corbin does goes, does great stuff there, and I've appeared on it numerous times and uh, <laughs> hopefully will be uh, continuing to appear on it in the future. Again, we appreciate you all for listening and, of course, enjoy the next week in the NBA calendar.